Hello and welcome to the Brutal Iron Gym Podcast, where our goal is to cut through the BS and deliver the brutal truth about topics related to health and happiness. Today's podcast number 1587. The topic is nutrition and the title is 10 Common Nutrition Questions. So, uh, two podcasts ago, (laughs) we did 10 common exercise questions and that was fun. I had uh, somebody send an email in and say that they liked that. Uh, That same person actually sent me a list of 10 nutrition questions. And they said, would you mind answering these? Yeah, of course I wouldn't. <laughs> so I encourage everybody, every single podcast, to reach out and send questions. So I thought this would be a fun one to do. Uh, they listed them, I'm assuming, in an order that they wanted. So I just left them in the same order they sent me. But let's figure. I figure we just got kind of go through it. Uh, I'm going to be answering these relatively quickly because we're going through 10 in one podcast. But I'll provide more information along the way if there's a past podcast we have or any extra information I think you can uh, benefit from. Okay, first question. Let's get into it. What is the best diet to follow? There isn't. Um, literally, the best diet is anything that you can be consistent with. If you, if I'm assuming the, the question diet, most people mean like fat loss, or like well, actually they 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 think they mean weight loss, but what they really mean is fat loss. <laughs> so people say they want to lose weight, but they don't want to lose equal amounts of muscle and fat. They want to lose fat, so they really mean fat loss, and they're assuming that fat loss will make them weigh less. That isn't always the case. You know, when somebody's brand new to healthy eating and like a certain intensity of exercise, if they haven't been exercising, you know, with the right amount of volume, the right amount of intensity, the right exercise selection, or they haven't been exercising at all, the, they actually won't change weight. They might actually gain weight uh, because they're gaining muscle tissue. They're gaining water retention due to glycogen uh, within the muscle tissues related to the tissues they use. So there is a phase in which people will lose body fat and build muscle at the same time. So their weight, their weight may not, might not change, but they're definitely losing fat. So that's why I encourage people to always like take photos. Don't just use a weight scale. That's not at all, at all the best way to track kind of progress. But in general, whether you're trying to do a diet to lose weight, lose body fat, a diet to build muscle tissue. You know, you think of bodybuilders in the off season when they want to build muscle tissue, they have to be very regimented with what they eat and when they eat. So that's a diet. Like it's it's a structured, regimented way to eat. And what I encourage most people to do is to find like a balance for them. If they're not a competitive person, like they're not competing in a sport, they're not like, say you're just trying to find a healthy way to eat, then it has to be a balance with the rest of your life. You have to be able to sustain it and do it even when life is crazy because then that's the only way you'll make long-term progress and have long-term sustained success. When people are getting ready for a bodybuilding show, for example, or a strength competition, we don't really pick something based on whether they can sustain it. We're picking something based on the results that they can get from it. So if you're in a short-term kind of diet and you want to get a very specific outcome, then yes, there's going to be an absolute best way to do that for you and for your sport and all that. But if we're looking at the general purpose of this question, what is the best diet to follow? It's going to be whatever diet allows you to be consistent with it. They've done a million and one studies, absolute million and one studies, and they know that diets with an appropriate caloric deficit, whether that comes from a reduction of fats or carbohydrates, doesn't matter. People will still lose weight, and even with meal timing. They they realize that meal timing doesn't make much of a difference either when you're looking at purely weight change. So if I'm just worried about changing my weight, 
then how much carbs versus fats I have makes absolutely no difference whatsoever. And how many meals I have in a day and when I eat makes absolutely no difference. And that's only specific to the outcome of weight change. The reason why I'm saying it that way is there are enormous impacts of whether how much carbs versus fats you have and how many meals a day and when you eat. There's enormous impacts. It impacts body composition, energy levels, mood, sustainability of the diet because you're not going to have huge major cravings, digestibility of the foods, you're not going to have a bunch of gas and bloating. So the experience of the dieting, the quality of the weight change, that's absolutely important. <laughs> uh, you know, meal timing, meal frequency. And then, you know, if I have a five-hour gap between two meals and I eat mostly carbohydrates and proteins, I'm going to be hungry earlier. And then I might overeat and have large cravings later on in the day because that meal digested too quickly compared to the next meal. So whereas if I had fats, that might better blend and digest slower to the time of the next meal. But some people, they have meals sooner. Maybe they don't digest fats well, so they have to have more carbohydrates. So there's a lot of personal aspects when it comes to dieting. But what's interesting is all of those are different for each person. So the best diet to follow would be is to try a diet that fits your food selection preferences and fits your schedule. Then, if you want to maximize kind of the quality of the experience you're having, it is better to have meals more frequently and make sure you have a good balance to what you're eating in terms of macronutrients. So there's a podcast, 1147. It's a really good one. It's a nutrition podcast titled Eat Early, Eat Often, and Eat to Match. What that one would do is if you have like the types of foods that you should eat. You have a general amount of food to eat, but you're then wondering, how do I personalize it to my preferences of schedule and, and how do I have a better experience while I'm dieting? That's the podcast. Podcast 1147, nutrition podcast that will eat early, eat often, and eat to match. If you listen to that, it'll teach you how to kind of manipulate whatever diet you're following to best match your needs, your preferences. So there isn't necessarily a one-size-fits-all best style of dieting. Just find a diet that fits your food preferences, fits your schedule, then listen to podcast 1147 and personalize it from there. Cool. Uh, next question, should I avoid carbs? No, um, no. Carbs don't make you fat. Uh, overeating food or inconsistently eating food makes you fat. Actually, the reason why we have the ability to store body fat is from inconsistent eating, not overeating. Our body stores body fat because... While our bodies were forming uh, and kind of deciding how they wanted to stay alive, <laughs> food was not as readily available as it is now. You would have to kill something or grow something if you wanted to eat it. So that meant that you would have periods of time where you had a surplus of food and periods of time where you had a deficit of food. In order for the body to survive during the deficits, it realized during the surpluses, I have to save some of this extra. I want to save some of this extra to run my organs and stay alive when I'm in the periods of deficit. So the body uh, gained the ability to store body fat as a response to inconsistent eating. People are overweight overwhelmingly because they inconsistently eat, not because they overeat. That's maybe shocking to hear. I'm surprised. I'm shocked that it's shocking. <laughs> but... People are overweight because of inconsistent eating, not overeating. Overwhelmingly, most people undereat during the day, they overeat at night. 
So when they have this surplus at night, their body saves that surplus as body fat to then fuel itself during the next day's uh, period of undereating. So inconsistent eating is why we have body fat, not overeating. Now, is overeating the cause for some people? Absolutely, sure, yes. But is it the cause for most people? No. Most people, the reason why they're overweight is because they inconsistently eat. So when you say, like, uh, should I avoid carbs? No, absolutely not. There's not a single food, like, food category, like macronutrient. Like, if you're talking about dietary fats, carbohydrates, proteins, and water is the fourth macronutrient, but it doesn't mean calories, nobody talks about it. So if we look about the ones that have calories, you have dietary fat, carbohydrates, and protein. There's no reason for you to avoid any of those. Like, you know, you just have to have them in moderation and in the right timing and the right amounts. That's it. You know, can you have carbohydrates? Absolutely. Should you have carbohydrates? You know, arguably, it would help you fuel workouts. You know, so if you're coming into a workout and you haven't eaten in two or three hours, having some carbohydrates like a, like a Gatorade drink or a sugary drink while you work out, maybe if it's watered down. You know, they have that G2 stuff where it's watered down Gatorade. Totally fine. Like, carbohydrates don't make you fat. Where people sometimes get in trouble with carbohydrates, thinking that they're making them fat, is when you don't eat carbohydrates, your body can't store water within the muscle cells. So when the body is fed carbohydrates, sodium, and water, when you drink water, it mixes all three of those things together into what's called glycogen, which is just putting carbohydrates in your muscles. So when, mus when carbohydrates get put into your muscle cells as a, as a kind of a fuel source for the muscles, it's like a localized gas tank. So each muscle has a gas tank rather than there being a singular gas tank for our whole body. Just think about that each muscle has a gas tank. In that gas tank, the body puts in fuel, right? It puts in carbohydrates. When carbohydrates get put into our muscles, it's called glycogen. So it's an annoying, like it's a fancy, sound, sciencey sounding name, but all it means is just carbohydrates in your muscles. But in order to store the carbohydrates in the muscles, it has to have sodium, the carbohydrates that you ate, and water. Well, what happens is when you reduce carbohydrate intake, when you don't eat as many carbs or you eat no carbs, the body can't store them then in the muscles because there's just nothing there to store. What happens then is the water that would typically be paired with the carbohydrate and the sodium to be stored in the muscle, the water doesn't get stored in the muscle. Water has weight. You know, if you pick up a 16-ounce bottle of water, it has some weight to it, right? Well, whenever our body is not storing as much water in the muscle cells, it weighs less. So if I go a day without any carbohydrates, I might lose 4 to 5 pounds. I did not lose 4 to 5 pounds of body fat. I wish I did, <laughs> but it isn't. It's water weight. You will weigh less because there's less water being stored within you. Then what happens when people eat carbohydrates, they weigh more. And they think, oh my God, carbohydrates made me fat. No. Carbohydrates, since you started eating them, are now stored in your muscles along with water, which made you weigh more. So when you manipulate carbohydrate intake and it manipulates your body weight within like a day or two kind of period, that's just water weight manipulation. That's not fat loss. So you don't need to avoid carbs. What you want to avoid if you're saying like, oh, you know, I don't want to gain weight or I don't want to mess up my diet. You just want to make sure you're eating the right amount of calories. Overall amount of protein and carbohydrates and fats blended together. You don't need to avoid single macronutrient like carbohydrates. Podcast 1232 is a great podcast to listen to. It's a nutrition podcast that will start here. It'll tell you step by step by step how to set up a nutrition plan for yourself. And it tells you what's the most important thing. And one of the things it'll tell you is that you don't have to avoid carbs. Next question. Is intermittent fasting effective? Yes. Intermittent fasting, but keep listening. 
<laughs> intermittent fasting is essentially, and I'm boiling it down to some pretty simplistic language here, is you're only going to eat during a, sort, a certain time of the day. So intermittent fasting means just like short periods of fasting. So maybe when you wake up in the morning, you're not going to eat all day, but you're going to eat all of your calories that you would have in a normal 24-hour period, but you're only going to eat them from, say, 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. Or maybe you do 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. or whatever time frame you want. So intermittent fasting means you fast for a good period of time and then you eat for a small period of time. Is that effective? Yes, it's a, it's a caloric it's a controlled caloric intake and it will help you manipulate your body weight. Does it mean that it's the most effective for body composition? No, it's not. Is it the most effective for sport performance? No. Is it the most effective for balancing mood and energy and cravings? No. <laughs> is it effective for changing your weight? Absolutely. Is it the best way to diet for all the other reasons that you might be dieting for? No. So intermittent fasting works for changing weight, but it d is not like the be-all, end-all, the one-size-fits-all dieting. Again, there is no one-size-fits-all of dieting. You just have to have controlled caloric intake, and you have to be able to kind of find your way to be consistent with it. If you want to, we do have an older podcast. You can find all of our podcasts on our website, www.brewlearnandgym.com. Podcast 204. So way back when. That was back in March 22nd of 2019. <laughs> but podcast 204 is a nutrition podcast titled Intermittent Fasting. So I literally tell you about the diet and the pros and cons and all that stuff. So the quick answer is intermittent fasting. Is intermittent fasting effective? Yes. Is it the diet you should choose? Not necessarily. There's a lot of reasons why you might not. Fourth question, do you recommend detoxes or cleanses? No. Um, for the most part, if you eat a balanced, like if you eat a diet that is correct for calories, correct in macronutrients like carbs and fat in percentage versus protein percentage, and you eat proper kind of normal variety of foods, your body is very good at kind of cleansing itself. So it's going to go ahead and take care of its own wastes. Uh, now, you can do digestive enzymes, that helps. You know, make sure your diet has enough fiber. If you need fiber, that helps. But do you need a detox or cleanse? N no. Uh, uh, like One of the big reasons why I say no is sometimes they're very harsh on gut bacteria, and they'll actually clear out gut bacteria. The bacteria in your intestines helps you digest food in, in a good way, like to not feel bloated, to not feel gassy, to get more percentage of usefulness out of the food you're eating. So the bacteria in our gut is a good thing. It normalizes typically to the types of foods that you eat, which is why sometimes when you eat a totally random food, you kind of get gassy or bloated or you don't feel good. But the bacteria in our gut is a good thing. So when you do a detox or a cleanse, sometimes you wipe that out and that can mess you up. Uh, you can feel, uh, get like diarrhea, you can get a lot of like, digestive issues in the next couple days or a week or two while your gut bacteria is trying to rebuild itself. So detoxes and cleanses are very aggressive. They're unnecessary. Will you lose weight doing a detox or a cleanse? Yes. But does that mean you've lost body fat? Hell no, it does not. You know, if you do something and you lose like 10 pounds in three days, sure as shit, that was not body fat. That was water and probably shit. <laughs> probably need to watch my cussing, sorry. But you're what you're, you're going to lose weight due to waste. You know, you're getting rid of waste in you. And then a ton of water weight. It's not body fat. You're not losing body fat by doing a detox or a cleanse. Okay? So I don't recommend them. I, I, I don't think I've ever actually recommended them. Ever. <laughs> so, no. Um... Are, you cert are there certain foods that can boost my metabolism? No, not effectively, other than caffeine. 
So, like, caffeine can give you more energy, then you move around more, and then that burns more calories. But, you know, spicy foods, green tea, you know, all those things you hear that can help increase your metabolism, it's such an insignificant percentage, it really isn't going to make any difference. So, I wouldn't try to force-feed yourself anything that's going to tell you that it's a food that increases your metabolism. Eating the right amount of calories, having the right percentage of protein, and then eating kind of often throughout the day, those are things that can boost your metabolism way more than any specific food. The next question, should I buy organic foods? Are they healthier? Not necessarily. Organic foods are more expensive. And, um, you know, for something to be labeled organic, it has to go through a lot of FDA clearances and all this stuff. But it doesn't necessarily mean it's quote-unquote healthier. There's a lot of complications and issues with the quality of foods and the weight and the chemicals and whatnot that are used to make something organic or not organic and blah, 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 blah. Uh, in general, every food you eat, in your everything you put in your face has some pros and cons about the way it's made. Organic foods aren't necessarily better. They're, they're definitely not necessarily healthier. You know, so if you eat an organic banana versus a regular banana, it's, it's banana. You know, it's, it's still going to do what bananas do. <laughs> so if you want organic foods, you can look at the pros and cons. You can read all about it and then find your own position on it. I don't request that clients buy anything organic or not organic. I, I, I don't find any difference whatsoever in health uh, or in the impact of the aesthetics or performance that we're looking for. I have never seen any difference between clients that eat organic or non-organic foods. So I do not recommend that somebody exclusively buys organic or that they don't. If you want to, great. I don't care. Um, you know, do whatever is best for you. But I have never seen anything different whether people do or don't. Next question, should I avoid gluten? Um, you can try it. Test, test gluten-free foods for a week. And if you notice you have less water bloat, if you have best, better quality of digestion, uh, less kind of inflammation in your joints maybe, uh, if you notice a benefit from going gluten-free, then sure, absolutely, do that. You know, test it. Test it out. Uh, will it hurt you to go gluten-free if you are totally fine with digesting gluten? No. <laughs> so it won't hurt you. Uh, so should I avoid gluten? It's one of those things where... If you have that question, then you probably have the capacity to experiment. And you should experiment with some gluten-free foods for a week. See how you feel. If it makes no difference to you, go back to eating gluten. If you like the way you feel after going gluten-free, then stay gluten-free. You know, it's just kind of like a preference thing. Not everybody is gluten-sensitive, but a lot of people are without knowing it because they're more so just kind of gluten-sensitive rather than being, you know, celiac disease. Uh, like where they're, if I have a, f a speck of gluten, I have stomach cramps, I'm dying. <laughs> so you can, a lot of people might be gluten-sensitive to some capacity, you know, within like a spectrum of sensitivity. So it could be good to try, you know, test it out, see what you think. Next question, are plant-based diets better for my health? Um, if all things are normalized and appropriate, meaning like your calories are appropriate, your timing is appropriate, hydration is also taken care of, you have all your vitamins and minerals and whatnot, uh, plant-based diets are associated with more longevity. So if you're like, how can I live the longest I possibly can? Plant-based diets have been associated with increased longevity. Doesn't mean you're going to look good. Doesn't mean you're going to feel good. You know, a lot of people who go to plant-based diets have a lot of digestive issues. They have a lot of gassiness, a lot of bloating. And they have to be very careful in the amount of fiber they have, the types of foods, like the balances of everything. They might under-eat under protein. So 
if you were to say the most perfect, well-run, best balanced, you know, non-plant-based diet versus the most run, best balanced, blah, 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 plant-based diet, if, if everything's perfectly controlled, plant-based diets are connected with better longevity, but they're not necessarily connected with the most amount of strength or the best muscle mass. And if everything is controlled within each diet, I would make the argument, and I, I think it's a pretty safe argument, that there's not going to be much of a difference long-term. Where most people get into trouble with health is they mess stuff up, meaning the parameters of things. It's not what they eat, it's when and how and, you know, the balance of it all. So they don't eat the right amount of calories, whether it's plant-based or not plant-based diet. They don't eat the right amount of protein, whether it's plant-based or not plant-based diet. They don't eat the right kind of distribution. They don't eat the right quality of foods. You know, so maybe their calories and protein are good, but they have a high, really high sugar intake. You know, that's something you're going to want to watch, whether it's plant-based or non-plant-based, it's sugar intake, you know? So when you look at plant-based versus non-plant-based, a lot of things that come, like one main thing that comes into, into play is cholesterol. So animal foods have cholesterol, and people will argue, well, if you don't eat any cholesterol in your diet, you're going to have a much healthier, you know, heart, heart and blood vessels. Not necessarily, you know, like there's, there's, you know, people with great cholesterol levels that eat meat you know, in, in animal products on a regular basis, it's just making sure you get your blood test, um, you know, your blood tested, make sure your health is good. If you have high cholesterol, then probably switching over to a plant-based diet might be a good way to test and see, you know, if that helps you reduce cholesterol. Uh, but it's not necessarily, you know, if I eat plant-based, I'll live forever and everything will be perfect. No. Um, it's, you know, it's always like a little bit of a balance between everything else. Uh, ninth question, la uh, next last question, should I take supplements? You don't have to. That's probably a good idea. You know, at least take a multivitamin because most people don't eat super duper well and they don't eat a high variety of foods. So it can be helpful to take like a multivitamin in the sense that it can help you kind of fill the gaps of of what you might be missing through your foods. I do have podcast number 1384. It's a nutrition podcast titled My Most Recommended Supplements. So you can check that out. We also have podcast 388, which is a nutrition podcast titled Micronutrients and Multivitamin Supplements. So you can learn more about those in those podcasts. So uh, should you take supplements? Not necessarily. Is it a good idea to take some? Yes. Uh, you know, regular multivitamin is great. Some vitamin D, uh, vitamin D3 especially, like, is very good. It's very cheap as well. But those are some good basic ones. You could take some digestive aids, uh, you know, digestive enzymes if you have any kind of digestive issues. There's a lot of, like, individual aspects to supplements that could be helpful. Does everyone absolutely have to take a supplement? No. Is it beneficial for overwhelmingly most people? Sure. <laughs> so it's kind of wherever you want to fall within that. And then the last question, are sugar, are sugar substitutes healthy? And what I'm assuming they mean here is like non-calorie sugar substitutes. So stevia and all the kind of like things that are quote-unquote sugar-free, but there's art, like sugar alcohols, there's artificial sugars in there. Um, they've done a million and one studies, and for however long they've been around, they have not caused anyone cancer. They haven't killed anybody. They haven't eaten holes in your brain. They haven't done anything. Uh, so for the most part, sugar substitutes are okay. Should you be having, you know, an enormous amount of them every day? Probably not. It's probably not good to do, ever do anything, you know. But a little bit of, like, sugar-free food here and there, not the end of the world, not going to hurt you. Um, 
sugar substitutes we do I do recommend about a week or two away from like aesthetic based clients when they have competitions and they're super lean we will reduce sugar free and kind of sugar alcohol foods and that, that can actually reduce uh, sugar uh, water retention so it thins out their skin a little bit some people also have digestive problems due to sugar alcohols they might have more gassiness and bloating I'm actually really sensitive to sugar alcohol so I can't have like uh, sugar free foods it messes my, my stomach up so um, that's something for me, but that's something you can kind of test out is, you know, if you have really high sugar intake right now and you feel like you're like really sugar dependent or sugar addicted, substituting some of those sugars with sugar alcohols and sugar-free foods to start to wean yourself off is a good idea, but it should be part of a process of reduction of overall sugar-containing or sugar-imitating foods in your diet. So you shouldn't just take like all the sugars you're eating now, replace them with sugar-free foods, and then stay there. No. Continue to kind of refine your diet. Continue to try to reduce sugar imitation or sugar-filled foods and try to get to like less sugar, less artificial sugar in your normal everyday diet. Um, there's not a magical number that's perfect for everybody, but in general, I like to have clients consuming, you know, around 60 grams or less per day of sugar outside of their training sessions. So if they have, you know, really high sugary food for dinner right before bed, and it's like 40 to 60 grams of sugar, and they've already had 100 grams of sugar that day, you know, I'm like, hey, you know, we probably don't want to live around 150 grams of sugar every day. Let's try to get that down to maybe 100. Once they do well with that, if everything's good in the blood work, I kind of don't bother them anymore. <laughs> if we still have to modify some things due to blood health and they still want to get leaner, I do start to kind of promote them to get down to 60. So it's really individual based and it kind of depends on where you're at mentally and emotionally with what you can give up or substitute with your foods. But in general, are sugar substitutes healthy? Sure. You know, they're not going to cause any major problems to you. But reducing overall sugar-filled foods and sugar-imitation foods is probably a good idea. Cool. Well, thank you to the listener that sent in this list of questions. I hope that was helpful. I hope it was kind of fun to hear the individual answers. And if anybody else ever has any questions, again, that's the whole point of this podcast is you ask whatever you want totally for free, and I'll answer it for free. So it's a pretty awesome resource to have. That'll help you live your healthiest and happiest life. So if you do have questions, if you have any feedback or you have any suggestions, there's anything that you want to know, let me know at my email at brutalironjim at gmail.com. If you like our podcast, please share it. When you share it with people, let them know that we answer questions for free so that way they know they can send in a question and get an answer for free. Uh, so I appreciate that. Thank you to those who donate to support the podcast. That way we can actually do this as a service for people for free. You can donate on our website at www.brutalironjim.com. Even just $5 a month, it helps enormously. Thank you every single person who does that. I truly appreciate it. It helps cover some of the hosting costs, cover some of the time investment. I really, truly appreciate the donations. We could use some more, so thank you very much to those uh, who are willing to do that. Also, if you like the information we share in our podcast, you can find more from us on our social media channels. I post on Instagram every day, post on YouTube a lot, so find us and follow us under the name Brutal Iron Gym. As always, I hope this was helpful, and thank you for listening.